Thank you for joining the Product Management Mastermind, a community for PMs to get advice, share advice, and build relationships. This conversation is going to be on cultivating a customer-focused mindset, and we have a very special guest. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to do some intros. Uh, the format of today's discussion will be, again, some intros. We're going to have some prepared questions for our guest. We're going to close out with some questions from the community themselves and then a fun rapid fire round. Uh, so without further ado, my name is Felix, um, product manager currently at Google, previous experience at Microsoft. Prior to that, I was a software engineer for about five years um, and I will hand it off to Jayanth. Hey guys, I'm Janth. I'm a product manager at Capital One focused on um, building out our identity platform. Similar to Felix, I have a software engineering and UX research background. Awesome. And as we mentioned, we have a special guest today. It's Brian Owens. Brian is an entrepreneur, an author, and a product leader with experience in multiple industries, including fintech, e-commerce, and automotive. Most recently, he served as a director of product at Ground Floor Finance, where he drove a successful beta that drove over $2 million in sales in three months. Brian, it's a pleasure to have you on the Product Management Mastermind podcast. Can you share a little bit more about yourself and your journey into product? Yeah, well, first, thanks for having me. Appreciate, um, I guess, this, this opportunity. So um, so what you said was, can you share a little bit about your journey? Uh, I, my journey is very similar to you all. I, I was an engineer, uh, but I was an electrical engineer, so I didn't know how to code, right? So I didn't really know much about that particular space. Uh, but um, I ended up founding a company, um, and I, we could probably talk about that a little bit later. It was called Everbutter, and it was a hair care company of all things. Um, and, and that was an e-commerce company. And then, uh, I transitioned that after I sunset that company, uh, I got into PM and essentially never looked back. So that's where I'm at now. And, um, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks, Brian, again, for, for joining us. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into some of the questions that we have for you, uh, in the next 20 to 30 minutes. Our questions are going to cover an overview of some of the best strategies and practices for cultivating a customer-focused mindset, how we can execute with this mindset, and how we potentially measure success in a customer-focused world. Then we'll jump uh, into some of the questions submitted by the community and then end with a fun rapid-fire round of different questions. So why don't we go ahead and uh, kick things off. Could you start by explaining why cultivating a customer-focused mindset is crucial for product managers and the success of their products? Well, companies are only developed if they have customers, right? Like, so if, you, if you're not thinking about who you're serving on a day-to-day -day basis with the various things that you're doing or initiatives that you're going after, then what are you, what are you actually doing, right? So, uh, so for, for product managers, it's, it's essential because that's why you're there at the company, right? Like, you're there specifically to be what they call the voice of the customer, right? Like you're, you're supposed to be gathering these insights because your counterparts more than likely are not, right? Like you may have customer success that's talking to people every day, but most of the other individuals and stakeholders within the company, you know, typically don't, right? So that's your job. So it's, it's extremely important to really kind of be top of mind when it comes to you know having that you know that customer centric mindset, because at the end of the day you're trying to solve problems and and do things for them, 
and obviously in order to help your company and you know improve and move forward in, in the goals they have right so um that to me that's that's why how i see it and again you know i'm not your like super you know uh, uh trained pm person i'm an entrepreneur that that's just trying to you know at the end of the day you're trying to make money for your company you're trying to you know improve the improve your product you want to see people smile and and the things that you you develop get used and um are are you know get have have value for the customers that you're serving right so that's how i see it um you know you know so like it that you know i'm just like a i'm a kid from detroit that's that's just trying to help people I love that talking about helping people. You know, I think that's what had me gravitate towards product management because I love helping people. And one of my favorite sayings is PM stands for problem manager. And I think, you know, you have to be an expert on your customer to understand their problem intimately and to be able to even begin to solve it. So I think, you know, what you said, definitely, you're not going to be a business if you're not solving real problems for customers. Um, you know, so I want to double click on one thing you said. You called it out in your uh, in your background as well. You know, just like Jayanth and I, engineer turned product manager, uh, but your transition included becoming an entrepreneur, right? And I also noticed when I was sort of, you know, doing my research that you also wrote a book as well. So do you think, uh, you know, these experiences taught you anything unique about cultivating a customer mindset? I would say yes, because I think the first thing is just one they preceded me getting into to product management, right? Like that's, I think that's the first thing. Um, so it, it obviously helped me because I wouldn't be where I am today if I did not do those things. But those things in itself is exactly what you're trying to do as a PM. A book is a product, right? Like it's a product that you're selling and you're trying to sell. Somebody's trying to go through a trans, really nonfiction, I mean, nonfiction books at least. But somebody's typically trying to go some through go through some type of transformation, right? And they're trying to understand how you did it. What are, what are the problems that they're trying to overcome that they can gain insights from this book, right? So these are the things that you have to be you have to interview the individual. What the heck are you going to talk about, right? In this book that you're trying to sell, you know, um, if if you don't, it won't it won't resonate it won't add value if you're not answering those questions and developing or or gain or uh having insight or giving insight towards uh things that they're actually looking to solve right so i think you know if you look at any book out there i think there's like books like you know uh acing your pm interview and you know so these some these type of books that you know like your first 90 days for example at your job these are all challenges that people are trying to overcome and they're trying to solve a specific problem for that individual. So like, so, so, you know, I've read those books and I know probably many of you have as well. Um, so, so that's my, my, my point is there is like, you have to understand who your target audience is, who that person is in order to say, you know, this is something that could add value to your life um, and kind of go from that point. But, and then to your, to your second point to, uh, to a company, a company is essentially, you know, a book is just one product. A company is you're creating one, maybe many products, and you're developing systems around that to sell more and more and more, right? Like that, that's essentially what, uh, you know, a, a company did for me. It allowed me to say, all right, well, here's how you create one product, you know, uh, and, and do that. And here's how you create a second product to add more value. Here's how you create another 
product and or bundle these products in order to create more value for your customers right like so um it's and it's creating systems around those products in order to one bring those customers in every single day and more and more uh and then also sell more product to go out the door right so between the two i mean it's it's all rooted in understanding who you're selling to the closer you can get to you know being that person that you're trying to sell to um and having the empathy and and knowing where they're coming from knowing their values where what they're trying to be what they're trying to do the the better you better off you're going to be right like so um that's why you see a lot of founders they scratch in their own itch because they are the customer um and and it's 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 you can't like this you can't get any closer than you being the person that's having a problem right so um yeah so essentially that's those two kind of like to wrap this up but those two to me is is focusing on who that person is and if it's not you how can you get as close as possible to understanding the problems and challenges that those those individuals are trying to overcome I really love that. Before we go on to the next question, I've really just got to double click on a couple of things you said. So when you talked about writing and you talked about understanding who you're writing for and what problems they're trying to solve, you know, I think it's so powerful. We talk about people talk about the importance of writing and product um, and even the value of like you could be writing anything. You could be writing content on LinkedIn. You could be writing a book, you know, just the practice of understanding who you're writing for, who your audience is and communicating clearly something that's going to help move them from you know point A to point B is so powerful. Um, so I think more people should definitely explore, you know, at least writing, you know, content, even if it's not like a full book. Um, and then on the entrepreneur side, I mean, I think, of course, people know, I mean, we're not talking, you know, transition into product, but that could be a conversation for another time. But entrepreneurship is one of the very common paths. I think one thing you two things I would want to call out one, you know, if I understand correctly, your product wasn't even in tech necessarily, uh, but just that practice of creating a business, you know, led you into having some of those skills that you need to be a product manager. And then secondly, you talked about creating systems around, you know, kind of getting your product out there. And I think that's so powerful. One of the things um, that I learned early on is not just being good in product management about like defining requirements or communicating vision, but like understanding the go to market, you know, things that sometimes depending on your company or how much role responsibility you have could get overlooked. Um, you know, you could be a product manager in bid tech and maybe you have a whole go to market team. So you think, oh, I don't need to worry about go to market. Like every single time the PMs that I've seen have separated themselves, they really understand like what is our go to market strategy? How are we making sure people find out about this? How am I tapping into the right partners to do it? Or if you're at a smaller company, how am I actually owning those results as well? So, yeah, I think, you know, all across the board, whether it's writing to starting your own business and making it successful, there's a lot of things people can take away as far as, uh, you know, improving their their customer focused mindset, but then also just being a better PM. Right. So, yeah, love that you said that. Well, I just want to I want to double click on that, too. Like even what you you just mentioned about just writing content on LinkedIn or where, wherever and just creating any type of content. My thing is like, we're always creating content, right? When you're, when you're writing that, that PRD or you're writing that, 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 that email or media, you're always creating some type of content in or that has an audience. You want somebody to read it, right? Like who is that person? What are things they actually care about? And then how can you tailor your message that actually makes sense for them, right? Like, 
So my thing is like, even when you're creating your presentation, now most of us have to create presentations that has an audience, that's content, right? Like it's just making sure you're understanding who the individuals are in the room that are gonna be uh, consuming this content and then making sure you're tailoring that to, to, to those individuals. If you don't know who those individuals are, I suggest you go out and talk to them and figure out who they are and say, who's gonna be in the room? Uh, who, who is this person? Who's this VP of product or whoever else, the CEO, uh, what do they actually care about? That way I can tailor my message in order to, to meet their needs. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, to wrap up this section, I guess we kind of were talking about strategies and best practices. I think we've called out a few here, right, when it comes to knowing your customer, understanding the audience, um, even, you know, maybe things that wouldn't sound necessarily like strategies, but, you know, writing content, practicing your writing habit, um, considering everything you write as a piece of content that needs to land with somebody. Um, so these are all aspects, you know, going out and talking to those customers, you know, who those people are, interviewing them, like you said, when you're like writing a book. Um, so these are all definitely good best practices. Um, we're going to go ahead and I think we've had a good conversation here. We'll go ahead and shift over to section two, which is, again, executing. Um, and again, I think you have so many varied experiences outside of product that I think lend a lot of valuable insight. So I wanted to talk again about something sort of related to product management, but not directly in your in your um, kind of resume work, but um, the Black Product Managers Network, right? So, you know, I'm a member um, and I, I know you're, you know, one of the leaders in the community. And as a part of your last role, uh, you helped develop the first paid dues system. Um, so I think it's very interesting to see an organization like Black Product Managers kind of grow from a, a small community into, you know, what it is today. So many events, you know, dues and, and all sorts of things, lots of value that people are, you know, even willing to pay for. Um, I think there's got to be something around, you know, a community that goes from free to paid. I mean, you have to have you have to be thinking about who's paying those dues. Right. So I'm just curious, like, were there any lessons about how you execute, how you execute with customers in mind when you're doing something like like community building and like creating these types of programs uh, for a community like the Black Product Managers Network? Yeah, I mean, well, it's absolutely like. What I what I kept telling every you know the the other leaders and and individuals inside the community itself, and I said, you know, this is product management. Like what we're doing is product management. Like community building, your members are your customers, right? Like those are the individuals that are receiving on the receiving end of you know the the programs you set. The if if there are dues or not, are they gaining value from all these various aspects of your organization? Right. Like, um, you know, just like I was saying, like, for example, you know, it's 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 interesting because I wanted to make sure that everybody was gaining value all the time, because if they weren't, then just like a subscription company, if you got Netflix and you're saying they got crappy content, you're going to cancel. Right. So it's like you need to retain these individuals. So so that that's one of the things when it comes to going going back to your question. When it comes to like what what do you want to keep in mind? The first thing you want to keep in mind is, you know, who are these individuals? They're going back to that customer centric, like who are these individuals? You know, and one of the things that we actually considered quite a bit was we started having it wasn't all US based, right? So when we actually created the membership dues, we actually have three different um, um, pricing tiers based on where you're where you're located. From a regional standpoint so for example we started having a lot of members come from you know um you know the african region right 
their their product management and Europe, by the way, but their product management uh, salaries are not nearly as high as those in the U.S. Right. And and this is we we learn this by talking to individuals and gaining the feedback like, hey, listen, I, I talked to a number that's in 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 Africa, in Nigeria, actually. And, and they and they were like, you know, this is not affordable for us. Right. And, and, and I was like, well, why, why is it not? Right. Like, and they start going down a little bit of, of their situation. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Another thing we, we did was we have actually have sponsorships where we sponsor a, a number of members that are in financial situations. Like, you know, you know, so, so if you're in some type of situation, you can apply for sponsorship and we can allow you still allow you in, get all the benefits. Maybe you just lost your job and you can't afford it. Right. Like it's a lot of people that's experiencing that right now, for example. Right. So like it and these are some of the things we consider like we want to have these things in place, because even though we do need to have some revenue coming in, that's not sponsorships from companies. Uh, we do need to keep our members in mind because we want them. We we're here to serve them. Right. And and if we if we don't have any members slash customers. Right. Then there's there's no BPM. Right. So and. And that's that's what you have to keep that in mind. It's like, yeah, we want to make sure we can actually operate as an organization, but at the same time, we need to keep them in mind and keep keep their best interests at heart when it comes to the decisions we make. So that that was a couple of different things in how we, when we went to implement a due system, uh, there's some, some things we considered as we we did we went through. Yeah, totally. The taking into account like some of the regional differences, like that. That's huge and um, also speaks to the scale of like BPM that that's a problem that you have, right? So it's uh, fantastic for the organization. Um, you know, one thing that I was curious about is to, to understand how you uh, prioritize and incorporate customer feedback uh, into your process. You know, sometimes what people say and what people do is completely different. And you'll get a lot of conflicting um, user interviews, or even you'll get qualitative data from customers that says one thing, and then you'll go look at your quantitative metrics and it doesn't match up. So how do you recommend that product managers prioritize and incorporate customer feedback into their development process effectively? Well, I, I think it, I think from my my perspective, right? Like I can only talk from my perspective, but what I think is, I think it should start with with the feedback, right? Like, what what are the things that I guess is always who who are you trying to serve with what, right? And and how are they doing it today, right? Like, if you can walk through their shoes, I mean, walk through their their path, and, and for example, they can they they have a daily routine. Can is that something you can follow, right? Like. Um, if it can start there, right, then you have at least some information that helps you understand how they move about their various operations. Um, and then, you know, kind of kind of go from that point. But what you're saying is, OK, you, you already have a product, right? Or, or you just released a product. You know, they said or said or did one thing. And, and now now the data is coming back, uh, you know, as, as something else. Right. Like to me, I think that's where. A lot of times people just take things for face value, which is I, I don't particularly love. I think you have to understand feedback with context, right? The more context you can add, you can gather 
uh, you know, just say, for example, you, you get a review on, on your app, you know, on the app store, right? Like, and, and, you know, it's just like, oh, this app, this thing sucks because of X. And you don't, you don't have any context there, like how they're using it. What, what device are they using it on? Are they experiencing something that, um, that's abnormal or is it, you know, or is a hundred thousand other people experiencing the same thing? You're just the one person that, that speaks up, right? Like, these are all the things that you need to kind of gather. My thing is, the, I always prioritize feedback with context above feedback without context. If you don't have the context, you can't really do much with it. And, and a lot of times, people kind of grab onto that. This thing sucks because of X. Well, I don't, I don't know what their situation is, so I can't really do much about it. If you don't have the context, then you should figure out how you obtain that context. If it's something that is you know, uh, uh, alarming, right? Like um, you figure out, okay, well, what, what's going on here that I need to look more into? Does it just kind of like spark some type of, you know, spidey sense, for example, right? Like, uh, you know, is there something there, right? It could have some meat to it to where you can say, all right, let me look more into this to figure out what's going on. And then you kind of go from that point. But my thing is at the end of the day, I love when it comes to, uh, it's it, to me, I think it's, you know, prioritizing feedback with context above, feedback without context and sometimes data is feedback without context right like and people look at the data and they say oh this thing went down by 30 percent your your product sucks well we don't know exactly right like let's get some context first and then we can make a decision to figure out what we want to do or if the, if we're even measuring the right thing right so i think from my perspective i think that's that's how i see it and, and typically how i like to approach you know, uh, challenges and, and, and problems like that when it comes to, to feedback. Yeah, I, I love that. And, um, you know, it's something that you can take for granted a, li a little bit as a product manager or, you know, as part of any sort of software development team. Um, one add-on I would say is like the, I don't know if you've heard of like the five whys, which is basically if you come up with a problem, keep asking why five, five times and that'll ultimately get you to the root cause. Um, but that sort of practice, and again, going to what you were saying about making sure that you have the context before you're making a decision or you trust, whether it's data or user feedback is, is super valuable because you'll end up to a completely different insight than what you initially thought. And the five whys could potentially help you there too. So um, as a follow-up question, um, you know, product managers are really, uh, to your point, like the voice of the customer on the team, right? Like they're the evangelist for the customer. Um, but how can we ensure that uh, the entire team is, in the product development lifecycle, whether that's designers or engineers or any of your other business partners as well, uh, embraces a customer-centric mindset? You know, do you have any insights from your time at Stash where you led the referral design that that you could share here? Yeah, I mean, this is this is typically what I do in in most of the organizations. So when I started at Ground Floor Finance, for example, um, I actually had developed the product organization there. It it was it was non-existent prior to me starting, um, and and one of the things they they were challenged with was actually gaining the feedback from customers and being able to put those things into action, right? Like what are the insights? What can we do about it? And how do we execute on that in order to improve 
the experience for our customers, right? Um, so, so you asked about Stash, the same thing. I did the same thing there as well, even though Stash had a more mature product organization. But, but when it came to my team, so I started the growth team there, right? Or, or restarted, we can call it restarted, the growth team there. When I hired, they, the growth team was disbanded. I, I came on and we restarted it. And part of that was helping individuals as we went through and analyzed and figure out what we need to do from a referral system and stock party and things of that nature, we bring them into the process, right? Like to me, I want my engineers, I want my designers, I want my UX researchers, I want all of us to be in the process of interviewing, uh, you know, uh, these customers or our potential customers and understanding what their challenges are. And I think the more you can put that in front of their face, even even being included in the questioning, what questions do we want to ask? Because the more you can get them the buy-in of like, oh, here's the output of this, uh, the the more they're gonna want to hear more of that that feedback, right? They're gonna start thinking. So it was it was very interesting as we started to do this, right? Like, um, I started to hear my engineers like, well, the customer may do this thing or this thing. Remember that that interview? They said this. And you start to hear them, and it wasn't just me anymore saying like this customer, that customer, whatever the case is, and kind of like you know, um, you know, having having that hat on, you start to see the engineers do the same thing. So, and then once I went over the ground floor finance, uh, very very similar, right? Brought them into that process, started doing interviews, showing them the recordings of the interviews, having actual sessions. We can talk about those things, right? And and um, and we can say, all right, what insights did you gain from this? You know, and, and start having those discussions. And then they start, you you, you kind of like see the light bulb go off a little bit to where, all right, when's your next interview? I want to be on it, right? Or, uh, you know, what, do you have a recording for the last interview you just did? I want to I rewatch it because I, I think there's some things that we can do for our product. And what I love about that is, is everybody has a different perspective of how they can help the situation from their frame. Right. Engineers be like, oh, this is attached to this thing inside of the product. Designers are like, oh, we can do this. We can change this, this piece here on, on the landing page to do, you know, to say this versus this. Or we can use this design technique. And I love that because now you're starting to have everybody think around what that customer problem was or challenge. And, and now now we're all thinking about it. It's not not just me or, or whatever product person it is kind of like trying to ideate on a solution or. Or I did, to me, you can also have the business folks, but challenge, the, the challenge sometimes the business folks or the rest of the business, they like to see, they like to make a suggestion and see their their thing be implemented right away, <laughs> like, whatever their idea was. And sometimes you have to kind of fight with that a little bit. But, in, in, you know, so yes, a whole little process, is, I guess it's a separate topic altogether, all right? But, um, but yeah, so I think to me, that's, that's how I see it, like, bring them into the process, get them, get the buy-in and, and they'll start to see, you know, uh, you know, some of the changes that happen. Like one of the things that here's a, here's a good example from ground floor finance. One of the things that they were challenged with that I had an interview about the for very first interview, like I had this, this individual I interviewed with um, was not getting correct monthly statements from a, you know, from the financial institution. So he's, so he's like, it's like, I'm going to stop investing because I get my monthly statements and they're wrong every single time. Right. 
And so I'm showing like the rest of the business this, like, hey, we need to, this is a, this is a financial institution. We need to make sure we fix this problem because it's impacting the amount of investment in AUM that we're able to manage because people are stopping their investment, right? Like, um, and, and it was funny because I know we have a question later, I think that's, that talks about, uh, you know, how do you measure it? Like one of the things like, I, like in this case, we had so many complaints about our monthly statements, right? And the month after we fixed these problems, customer success complaints pretty much dropped by 90% around this area, right? Like, and, and it was very interesting. Like, no, that was no longer a thing anymore where it was a big complaint before, right? So, um, yeah, but but that, I, that's how I look at it and think about it. I think, you know, the big thing is, uh, is making sure that they are included. I love that. And I could just double click on a couple other things I heard. So I heard like definitely include them in the process. One tactical thing I heard was actually make sure the information is available to the team, right? So even if they can't create in this culture where they can watch the recording or they can, you know, and still participate in follow on conversations. The third thing I heard that was actually probably very critical is set expectations, because I think a lot of times, um, you know, certain folks may not understand the creative process around customer discovery. UX people, UXR people, they kind of get it. They're like, all right, we got to take some time. We got to talk to some people. We're going to do the double diamond approach or whatever design practices they have to kind of triangulate on what a solution looks like. But other, te other team members might not really understand that it's, it's, it takes time and they might be expecting us to, oh, you know, just jump on a solution or start building something or, you know, so whatever your process is, whether you're going to be doing rapid prototyping really quickly or whether you're going to take a couple weeks to to do a bunch of studies and, you know, get stat sig on some survey, you know, whatever that is, just set those expectations. Right. So I think that's really great. Um, that some gems people can take away. Um, and so with that, like I said, I think we kind of wrapped up the, the execution part. Um, a lot of good insights there around talking to your customers, getting that feedback, including the rest of the team in your process. Um, you know, I really love, I think that's a quotable right there is, you know, prioritize feedback with context over feedback without context. I think that's, that's a, that's a, uh, I guess I can't even say it's tweet worthy anymore. But anyway, that's a that's another story. But uh, but that's those are those are good gems. Uh, you know, we can move on to to the last section, which is really around measuring impact, as you said. And you you know you obviously called out. You know, there's some customer success metrics. Anything else you would call out, or or maybe say more about sort of if you're you're doing these measures. What how do you really measure success when you're you know when you're thinking in a very customer centric way? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you when you get down to like the tactical things, right? Like, you know, one of the things I particularly look at, I'm looking at it from a B two C, you know, standpoint, right? Like, so for the B two C standpoint, you know, you want individuals participating with with the whatever that thing is. So if you're saying like, okay, I I uh, develop something that's based on a problem. Right. And that problem, let's just use the example of the monthly statements again. Right. Like, you know, so like so the monthly statement thing. So like w one of the things I look at you know, more specifically is, OK, we were getting X amount of complaints per month based on this. Obviously, they have monthly statements come on one time a month. Right. And typically we had a spike in complaints, you know, within the next within the week of that when everybody got released. Right. Like and, and what I like to see is 
you know, how is that measured? We took that feedback, right, of that problem that we, and then we did some work on it. We released something at X date. What it what does the metric look like now? So we say we have the last six months, every month, we had a spike of, I don't just say, you know, a 50% more calls or whatever, right? Like whatever that number is. On the week, the seven days after we released the, the monthly statements, what what is that coming 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 after that? Right. Like so like that's what I like to look at when it comes to like you take you're taking specific information and you're making a change because of it. You know, another thing you can look at it when it comes to usage stats, like if you're trying to figure out, let's go back to the referral, like when we talk about a stash, right? Like, you know, going through and looking at if you're tra- changing something from a referral system standpoint or whatever in-app, uh, uh, I guess, tool or, or feature, you know, what? how are people using it? Right. Are actually people clicking into it and, and actually doing the operation? Right. Are they doing it more than once? Right. Are like, what's happening there in order to, to help you understand? Now, you know, some of those things can be somewhat, somewhat nuanced, depending on if you have promotions or whatever that's that's driving it. But at the same time, you want to see that uh, there's some type of usage there. Right. Like when it comes to that point. Um, and then another one is when it comes to like if you're doing an overall like, you know, you can say reviews and things of that nature. I know there's many, many more, but that that's that's what I'm looking at when I think about like, you know, some things that you can you can look at from a metric standpoint. Uh and this is very, very general, right? Like from a metric standpoint and trying to understand like or is the thing you're doing and what I like to tie back is we did this one thing and that one thing produced X result. What is that result? How are you measuring it? And how can you tie the closer you can tie that one piece of feedback that you got from from, you know, being customer centric, right? Like and, and thinking about the customer in a certain way um, to directly to a metric, the better. And the more you can actually, you know, spread that around the company, the better. Right. Because that's how you begin to change the culture a little bit. And people can start looking at micro instances or micro things and saying, okay, this is how we can tie this thing to that and, and seeing how that can drive, you know, specific metrics. But um, like I said, those are very, very general. I know, I know you, I know you two probably have way more ideas around uh, different ways to measure that. I mean, I think what's important here is the framework, right? And I think what you're calling out is one, um, you know, being upfront about quantifying the problem. I think the better you quantify the problem up front, the better you can actually measure is the problem solved afterwards, which is kind of what I heard, right? It's like, do you directly see whatever metric that is change? Another thing that we've touched on kind of throughout this conversation, I think is worth repeating though, is also just the element of customer success. I mean, in all the different product teams I've been on, it's actually not as common as you might think that people just standard include, um, you know, customer support cases volume or, you know, just any of that type of metric in their success measures or in their, you know, things they're going to look at. Um, I know particularly recently being a growth PM, 
it's not always the case. You know, we're running experiments. We're, you know, testing stuff out. We're trying stuff out. Sometimes people make sure they have like as a guardrail metric, like, oh, did we get a lot? Did we, did we get a spike in support cases? Was this experience broken for too many people? But it's not like a, it's not like a norm, right? It's not like, oh, it's by default, every PRD template includes like customer support cases as a success measure. So I think, you know, this is kind of common knowledge and product, but definitely worth repeating is like getting close to whatever the team is that handles the, the support um, and, and understanding how your launches affect them. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I, mean, I think that's great. Um, especially when we're talking about being customer centric centric. Um, so for, for our next question, you know, I think one thing it might be interesting to touch on is how we think about this over time, right? I think right now, a lot of people, you're dealing with different economic climate. We're in a world today where, you know, customer preferences, needs are changing rapidly. Um, but particularly for like the the climate right, that we're in right now, you know, are do you have any examples of how, you know, you can sustain a customer focused mindset over time? Because I think, you know, now there's a lot of pressure, right, on product teams to deliver outcomes. And sometimes that can be at the detriment to, you know, having a customer focused mindset um, and be like maybe overly focused on metrics. So I'm just wondering, like, do you ever see that tension where, you know, sometimes the organization is being pulled away from having that customer focused mindset? And are there any like ways you think people can come product people can think about how to combat that? Well, first off, yes. I think it happens all the time, uh, you know, specifically when you have it, it, it really depends on the org, the less mature um, product, the product function is in the organization. The, the, just say, for example, it's a sales led organization or it's a, you know, engineering led organization or whatever. Like, um, I think you have more of that that happens, right? Like, for example, you know, I've been in organizations where it was mostly with the CEO goes, says, goes, right? Like, and, and it was, I don't care about whatever, whatever anybody else says. Um, those can, can veer very far away from being customer centric. Um, to me, what I, what I found, and this is just my, my own personal experience, companies that have communities stay customer centric. So for example, uh, Lego, uh, they have a community of Lego builders, right? And they're always sourcing ideas of different sets to, to develop and build and partnerships to have and, and things of that nature. Um, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of them, but, but, but Mighty Networks, which is a, is a community platform, they, they have their own community of creators and, and community builders, and they are constantly in touch with with uh with, with 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 their with the people they serve right like and 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 the, i think the more you see that is same thing with black product managers network like we we were part of the community and we were serving the community as leaders and and we sourced all of our various things that that we want to do or help in some way from the community it was mostly like oh are, have you guys done this yet or uh, this would be a cool idea or this is a partnership we should have in order to you know help out other members in the community i would love to see it okay these are all great things and i think the i think to me 
if if more companies actually institute a community building mindset with the individuals they serve, um, you will find more companies actually be customer centric because they're constantly in your face, right? Like, uh, and it's not not so much to where uh, you know you can kind of be hide behind the scenes a little bit. And you just shipping out products or whatever you just waiting back like even when it comes to reviews for example like reviews on the app store you have to wait for those to come in and and whatnot but if you have a community they're in your face asking questions and you, you're interacting with them and talking to them all the time when and they have questions um that you know in order to kind of get to the next place they want to get so uh or you know make that transfer transformation they want to make whether it be using your product or if using a different product, you always have it and you see it. Um, I mean, you see it, you know, Felix with the PM mastermind, you know, like you guys bring in, you know, community questions uh, and things of that nature. So like you, you, you always have that feedback constant and, and you're constantly thinking about, will this help a person move forward in their journey? Right. Uh, and which is, you know, probably the reason why you, develop this podcast right like you know so so that that's kind of where i think about it i think again this is the strategy to me if you want to move towards a customer-centric uh place in your business communities are a great way to do it i love that i think that's very thought-provoking for product folks out there who may feel like they want to bring more of that voice to the customer you know i think it's one thing to involve the team in customer research and, and, you know, bring some of those insights and even have good practices around sharing out, you know, research summaries. It's a whole nother thing to start thinking about how do I create community for my, for my business, for my customers? Like, do we, do we reach out to customers on social media? Do we use Reddit? Do we, what's, what's the forum, right? I think that, I mean, that we could have probably a whole discussion on, techniques and tactics for kind of bringing a community aspect. Cause I don't think you get it just from reading your reviews, you know, I mean, it creating a community is much deeper than just having a place where people can drop feedback. It's really about engaging and having almost having a brand that you use to communicate. I mean, there's, there's so my man, that's like, yeah, that, that could be a whole nother probably conversation in itself. Well, that's really interesting. Because, because the whole point of it is the whole point of the community is, it's not one to many, it's actually many to many, right? You want the community, the actual formation of the community, people within it are helping one another, right? They're finding one another, they're you know, advising or providing support, whatever, you know, whatever those things are, they're connecting themselves. And that's when you really have, have a thriving community is when it's not just the leader of the community that's going one to many and being the expert on everything. It's the individual within the community that's actually providing the majority of the value actually. So like, and, and that's where, that's where that helps. That's what helped us is, you know, in the, in the BPM community is it was more of that member to member relationships and people finding one another at different organizations and providing advice and support and uh, helping one another, you know, get to where they want to be. Yeah, I love that. Love the point of, um, you know, uh, I think it's called like the Pareto principle, but it's kind of the opposite of like 80% of uh, like the work 
uh, or like you get uh, the most value from 80% of the work and not the 20%. But with like communities, it's the other way around where you get the most value from like that five to 20% of your audience and not necessarily like the hundred percent. So spot on right there. Um, and speaking of communities and audience, uh, we have some questions that were pre-submitted by the PM Mastermind community, and we'd love to get your thoughts on it. Um, the first one and uh, is around how you balance customer focus with um, business metrics and, and business goals. You know, sometimes your your business goals are in direct conflict with, um, you know, having customer focus. Um, you know, you come from a finance background and you worked at various financial companies. You know, financial companies have, you know, fraud stakeholders and other stakeholders that uh, intentionally want to put friction, right, in a customer experience, which customers will inherently hate, but it's there for a reason, right? To stop fraud, stop bad guys and do other things. And I'm curious to see, like, how do you balance um, the customer focus with, uh, you know, some of these other uh, initiatives that that you need to to build a successful product. So, to me, from my perspective, I think all business goals and business metrics should be rooted in in that customer first mindset. Just just bringing up what you just brought up, right? Like, yeah, we're at we have to add friction with a KYC process, or we have to add friction with 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 uh, AML or 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 fraud, for example, maybe security. Right. But but why are we doing that? I think that's the big thing that you have to get down to. We're doing it so we can protect your money. <laughs> right. Like this is a platform that we're, we're trying to help you grow, you, you know, your wealth. Right. Or, you know, just whatever the, the finance company is, is focused on. But we're, the whole point is we want to make sure we protect you. You know, so so that so that we can actually help you achieve that goal or achieve that transformation. Now, there are certain things if you have really good fraud and security partners, right, within your organization that they're, they're you know I'm not you know for lack of a better word not selfish, right? <laughs> they they you know and you know if they ha if they're actually um, there to cooperate with you and develop better solutions. Like I had some great partners in compliance, right, um, at Stash. And they we work together to find the right solutions so that we can cut some of the copy down, cut some of the, you know, the things that you, ha you had to add in order to protect yourself from a legal standpoint um, and protect the organization from a legal standpoint. We work together to figure out what is the right solution, what is the right balance with that. Like, I think to me, I think it's like great partnership with those those teams um and you're saying like finding the right balance i think there's always going to be i think the just, just kind of like to, to kind of i would say wrap it up but to kind of like uh you know add some structure to this i think the first thing is going to be making sure you develop the right partnership with these teams because they're going to want to help you if you develop those right partnerships right like you know say listen i know what you're trying to i know what you're trying to do brian you know, I know what, what you're trying to, I know you want a clean user experience and you can tell them why the user experience is going to be key for us to help to grow the company in certain ways. Uh, and they're going to help you through those, those, those challenges, right? Like, um, and then, and then the second thing is going to be making sure you, you have the why behind that, right? Like making sure like, and making sure you add, you need to ask those fraud partners, why does this need to be this way? And it, if there's like a valid, 
you know, concern or reason, then you figure out, okay, well, how is this helping our customers, right? Like, because everything should be there to help your customers at the end of the day. Um, because again, this is part of the building the systems around, you know, the business in order to bring in more customers, have them buy your products. And that way you can, you can grow and serve more people and, and help more people transform and, and, and make the changes they want in their lives. That's awesome. I think it, it is important. Uh, I think another one of our guests spoke about this as well, where essentially even trying to achieve business goals, like you really should try to do it in a way that's best for the customer. So I think, you know, you're spot on with like, yeah, there is conflict sometimes, but like most times you still want to push to have some alignment with uh, with what's best for the customer. Um, so I think that's a good way to kind of close that section out. Um, before we wrap up, we're going to do our fun rapid fire round. So again, we've talked strategy, we've talked execution, we've talked measuring success on, on kind of this cultivating a customer focused mindset. Um, I think we got lots of great gems. I can't wait for the community to hear this one. Um, but before we we let you go, we're going to do our fun rapid fire round. So ready? All right. So first one is read versus watch. Um, the funny thing is I'm a little bit of both, but uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a reader. I'm a reader. Love it. So what is the last read you recall that you recommend? Um, it's actually two things. So one of the things I do kind of on the side is I, I, I do financial coaching. So I love to kind of get other gems and just hear other perspectives when it comes to, you know, how to manage money and things like that. So I can pass them on as 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 I guess I would say jewels, but as, as advice and, and, you know, coaching advice, but one so, 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 but the last one was wallet wise. I think that's a good book when it comes to just understanding uh, your money in a different way. Uh, and I love the way he approaches it. Uh, I want to say his name is, uh, I think I have a note here down here. Hold on. Ken Ramsey. Uh, he did a good, very good job uh, with that. Another one I, I read recently is uh, it's called Money Honey, and her name is Rachel Richards. Uh, that she writes that, and, and I think they both have very good perspectives on, um, you know, just just manage your money in a different way to help you build wealth. Love it. Yeah, we'll definitely link those for uh, for all of our PMs looking to improve their finances. That's always the goal. Uh, all right, beach versus mountains. This is a hard one. I almost have to say beach, though. <laughs> okay. Uh, the last beach you recommend that you uh, last beach you you visited that you recommend? Um, well, I was down in the Dominican Republic not too long too long ago, but even they have very good beaches. I think the the beach that I had the most fun at and just like most memories at was uh, Half Moon Bay out in in the Bay Area. Bay Area. Okay, nice, nice. Um, okay, last time you used generative AI, generative AI tech, and for what? Well, I use it all the time. I actually use it today <laughs> for, for a number of various things. Uh, but I typically use it within writing. I like to write and then have it um, rephrase. I love that feature. Um, I actually use that in uh, Google Docs quite a bit. Uh, but when it comes to my favorite uh, generative AI uh, tech. There's something called Opus Clips. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. 
but what it does it it repurposes like your youtube video so i developed some youtube videos as well and um what it does is it clips it down to be in the short form content so you can make it from anywhere from 30 to, to 60 seconds and it adds the little subtitles and all that type of stuff for you and then it, it actually the funny the cool thing about it and this is where i think the, the, the biggest cool thing is is it brings in like the most like quote unquote what could be a viral like moment or or group of sayings right and it'll, it'll identify the individual is talking and then you'll you'll have that little clip and then you can go in and edit it and, and change it around as you want but it really just like shaves off so much time when it comes to just like say repurposing a 15 minute video it'll it'll give you like 20 to various clips that you can then go in and and, and adjust as necessary some of you can just say I'm just going to put it on, you know, TikTok or YouTube shorts or whatever uh, and, and just let it roll. But others, um, you know, you may have to do a little bit more editing. on. But I think that's that's the coolest one I've seen. Man, you don't know how timely that is. Uh, we've been talking a lot about how we're going to do our, you know, sort of short strategy for this podcast. So definitely going to be checking that out and linking that in the show notes. If you see a bunch of shorts coming out, you know why. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, okay, last one and uh, favorite product and why and and not like if it was an interview question, just like you know any products you like right now and and why. <laughs> so I think the, the my favorite product currently is um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it, but it's a it's a Chromebook tablet uh, that's called um, the Lenovo Duet Five. So it's like a 13 inch tablet, uh, very lightweight. I could do so I do I use it real literally every single day. So that's probably my my favorite one right now. Um, you know, like right now, I, I actually write my journal and all that type of stuff within that. It's it's super cool. It's been very, very helpful for me. I think I've had it for like a year and a half now. So but uh very, very helpful. Use it every single day. That's probably my favorite product right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um uh, love that. Yeah, uh is there a particular app you use for journaling or you know, the, is the cool, this is one of, this is a, it's a doc. It's a, it's a PDF okay. that I developed and I have my own little template and I go through nice, and nice. just like, you know, create a new, new PDF and save it as, or do a save as, and uh, it's cool. Yeah. I like it. Awesome. Awesome. Love that. I've been trying out the new, I think it's a journal app on iOS. So uh, just, just trying it out. Uh, but that's, that's cool. All right. Well, look, um, I think this has been a phenomenal conversation again with the product management mastermind. Uh, before we wrap it up, though, I want to give you just a chance, Bryant, um, to, you know, share, you know, how people can reach you, anything else you want to share with our community, uh, to close, close us out. Yeah. Uh, you can reach me, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, at just Bryant Owens. I think that's probably the best place to kind of connect with me. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel called Black Black uh, Parent Finance, uh, where I kind of, you know, dole out uh, finance tips for specifically for Black parents. I think uh, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm very much, and that's the funny thing is my book is actually off of that as well. It's kind of it's called uh, the Money Machine Building Club, where I kind of help like you know not both but just parents in general really develop a financial literacy program within their home that they can execute on a daily basis and, and help their children learn money at a young age. So, um, you know, and, the, and this is kind of like kind of riffing off that a little bit. I literally just started at the beginning of the year. So it's, uh, you know, it doesn't have a ton of videos, but uh, I'm kind of working it up. So in, in, in the learning process has been fun. 
That's awesome, man. Yeah, we'll definitely link all of that um, in the show notes and uh, encourage people to check it out. So again, thank you. Thank you for joining the Product Management Mastermind, a community for product managers to get advice, share advice, and build relationships. We'll see y'all on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Product Management Mastermind on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcasting platform. And remember to leave us a rating and review so that we can reach more listeners. We appreciate your support.